You're listening to Driving Law, a podcast by Kyla Lee about all things related to the rules of the road. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Driving Law. I am Kyla Lee at Acumen Law, and with me, my co-host, Paul Dorajenko. Here I am, and I've got that summer feeling. Wait, what's your summer feeling? Because when you say that to me, a millennial, it means something else. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, there's uh, Jonathan Richmond's song, That Summer Feeling, uh, but that's not uh, that's not what I was thinking. I'm thinking to myself that we're into July uh, we had a few really hot days. It's cooled down now. Yeah. And um, I've noticed that uh, traffic has dropped because a lot of people are out doing their vacation thing. Yeah. Well, when you say that summer feeling, what I think is you got that summertime, summertime, summertime sadness. Oh, 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 oh. Who sings that? Lana Del Rey. <laughs> okay. But all I know is I don't know what a Lana Del Rey is. Um, yeah, she I, just thinks about being sad and then everybody dies in oh, songs. I know what a Taylor Swift is. I didn't know what a Lana Del Rey is. Kiss me hard before you go. Okay. So people persuading themselves. Yeah. Uh, See you in September. I get a little melancholy in the summer. I do because all I do is work and I never get any fun. Yeah. Well, you expect that you're going to have fun in September, but you have fun <laughs> other times of the year. You travel and go to... Disneyland and do things like that. So I you, go to Disneyland. You enjoy your own burnout. Life. Yeah, well, I think you. It, I think you enjoy your life. It can't all be ice cream and uh, and carnivals, Kyla. Yes, it can. Can't like all to be all ice cream and carnivals every day. Here we are in the office, and I realized we've got some ice cream down in the fridge. We got drumsticks down there. It's probably not a bad idea on a Friday. So it is Friday, and here we are. Friday, it's podcast day, and. I want to talk about something very important. What is that? Driving. Because you and I have been dancing around with this topic for a while. Like, oh, should we talk about this this week? And we kind of blow it off for other more interesting issues about how 50% of drivers are failing their licensing exams. 50%. It's a lot of people. A lot of people failing their exams. Yeah. So I thought that that would be maybe an interesting place to start today. Because ICDC has now announced, and we've talked about ICDC licensing exams before. We talked about during the pandemic how hard it was to get your your class seven road test or your sure. class five road test booked. And then, uh, of course, there's some other problems that have uh, that we haven't discussed, and that is their um, shortage of of driving examiners as a result of the labor shortage. Supply chain issues at ICBC driver services. So ICBC, to try and make it easier to get a road test appointment, is now shortening the length of the driving exams. Are they shortening the length of the route that you have to drive, or do you still have to cover the same route? You got, you got, uh, instead of an hour, you've got half an hour to yeah, but don't speak. put your pedal down. No, it's uh, it'll be a shorter route, and what they've said they're they're taking it from forty five minutes to thirty five minutes. So it's an extra ten minutes for every exam, which means they can fit in like two or three more exams per examiner to every day. That's a good idea, and one would think that 
35 minutes would give you an idea of whether or not the person's got the skills to drive. You think it's a good idea. I think this is a terrible idea. Do you know what they're eliminating? What? They say that they're eliminating, quote, redundancies in the exam because there's a couple left turns that they'll examine you on in the exam. So they're cutting it down to one left turn. You only got to make one left. Wow, that's and, handy. And I hope it works out luckily for you. <laughs> You've got a big opening. They're they're also eliminating some of the parking. Oh. What what are they thinking? Like, okay, when are when are the most accidents at intersections in left turns? Yes. And what are are often the most poorly executed driving maneuvers? Parking, but I mean you know, how often are they, what are they making you park? Like, do you know, do we have any details? Are they still making you parallel park once, I'm assuming? To, so when I did it, you had to reverse stall park. You had to parallel park. And you had to um, nose in and then back out. Huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, yeah, those are all things that are good to know. I, I used to rent a house in Edmonton on the south side that the examiners used to use my Volvo out front for everybody to test for parallel parking, probably because it had big rubber bumpers on it. And so I watch people do it all the time, probably failing a lot of the time too. It's hard. Parallel parking is hard. Um, I was lucky. They could do it themselves. But I flunked my exam the first time. I was 16. Me too. Um, and uh, they didn't make me redo the parallel parking because I parallel parked so well. Wow. Yeah, well, did you, I, did you I, get an award, and do you still display it on your wall? I exceeded the speed limit, however, at one yeah, point. Too. So that's why I failed, and they made me come back Here's and do it. The ways in which our lives are similar. Yeah, I'm often surprised how many ways my lives are. My life is similar to our clients. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was telling that health health issues that they've got, that I've got, life issues that they've got, that I've got, uh, you know, a, an old truck with a taillight that doesn't always work like I've got. Yeah, I was saying that to a police officer the other day. I said, like, look, I grew up in a remote location on Vancouver Island. I was in tra traffic ticket court in Victoria. Now, I know what it's like, you know, my client works not far from where I grew up. And there's no way to get the bus to get to work and to get to school for her. It's not possible. So, you know, you should you should do something favorable because I lost my license when I was her age for too many speeding tickets. I know how impossible that makes it. Yeah. And so the police officer looking at it and saying, you turned your life around probably because of that. My life. Because of that driving prohibition. And they should make sure that that poor individual. the public on their driving. I just like I'm I'm I had a, a drink in the office yesterday in the middle of the day, like a half an ounce of hard liquor. Oh. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is, um, hang on. This is like so many of my clients are telling us, okay, I, yeah. I'd say it's unusual for me. I don't normally drink. I just uh, had a half an ounce of liquor because so-and-so was retiring. And then three hours later, I was pulled over. And Yeah. It's weird to like the, but it's good. I think it's good that we relate to our clients, that we've been through what they've been through to some extent. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't want them to know all of the things I did through. <laughs> I will admit nothing. Um, okay, Paul, let me ask you this. I have an answer, and I want to know yours. If you had to shorten the road test, what components would you take out? Oh my gosh, you should have given me some preparation before you asked. God, me. no, I want your unvarnished opinion. 
Uh, well, I didn't do it in British Columbia, so I can't say that I'm a hundred percent sure. I would like more focus on stopping at stop signs because that's my be in my bonnet and stopping at red lights. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I guess what skills do they need? Uh, operating a motor vehicle is a complex thing. And I think most people, you can size them up fairly quickly. I think the... The 45 minutes is excruciatingly long, and I think 35 minutes probably makes a lot more sense to me. All right, you know what I would take out? What? The three-point turn. Who the fuck ever? Like, I get it. I get it. You have to learn how to do a safe turn. But let's be honest. If you get to the end, a dead-end street, or you get to a corner, you don't need to know how to do a two-point turn or a three-point turn or look at it and go, oh, I should do a three-point turn here. You just... You Austin powers your way through it and hope no one recognizes you behind the wheel. I had no idea that they did that as part of the driving test. I'm always, I like to impress people driving up on mountain roads, on old logging roads and things like that. And, and you know, being able to manage to turn around a big SUV or yeah. my dad's, my dad taught me to turn around the 1978 Mercury Marquis wagon. And you, uh, you've seen me try and turn around in like the alley where I've got like, 14 feet behind me, but I'm still like uh, inching back and inching forward and inching back and inching forward. That's how I drive. It doesn't, it doesn't cause accidents. No, you manage. We all manage. But um, yeah, it's something I suppose that could be removed. I'm not, I wouldn't push that as the thing that has to be there. Yeah. See, so two point, three point turn, not necessary. Um... So yeah, that's going to be interesting. I wonder though, like if they are shortening the length of the driver's exam and if they are eliminating it, more people pass. Are we going to see the pass rates go up? And then is this evidence that we're certifying worse drivers or that people got screwed? Fewer homicides probably. Like I think a lot of people get really stressed out during the course of that thing. Um the, um, I mean, it's, it's, who likes to do an exam? Not many people. Uh, I was glad when I wrote the bar exam, I thought I'll never have to do another exam. And then of course you and I went and took uh, training to, uh, test blood for alcohol and other drugs and things like that. And next thing you know, I'm doing Just exams. Just because of tea exam. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All things I didn't want to do. That's why yeah. I refused to do that specialized training to be, a a uh, lawyer scientist or whatever the heck they call it in the U S. Um, cause I don't want to do the exam. Uh, I, uh, I don't know. We'll see. I guess we'll find out if we see a, a significant decline in the skills of drivers on the road. But I mean, British Columbia is notorious, right? Mm -hmm. For people coming from around the world and somehow, you know, not being the greatest drivers and somehow managing in our roads where we actually drive faster than pretty much everywhere, except maybe Quebec. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I get the feeling that some things have improved quite a bit, like people's overall capacity to control their vehicles seems to be better than it was 20 years ago when I moved here. Uh, but um, the disregarding rules as such as stop signs and red lights seems to have become worse. So I suppose we might see it in certain aspects of driving, right? Like certain things. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Speaking of driving, this, it is a driving law podcast. This, I know you just you were distracted. 
I was distracted for a moment. No, we were talking about how we might see it in cer- certain aspects on the road. The people from Canada and all over the world come to BC, so... I know. I was listening. You are capable of multitasking. I was actually just trying to figure out a good transition to talk about perhaps the first impaired driving canoe charge in British Columbia. Yeah, so this was reported. It came up in my... Uh, in my um, feed uh from the uh, an organization in the u.s that picked it up um as uh the first canoeing impaired driving case and there's already been inaccurate discussion of what can happen uh, mm-hmm. on the internet people wondering whether or not the canoe's been impounded for 30 days I saw it's a ctv yeah i saw a ctv news story that said that the uh, law in British Columbia, that they confirmed with the BC government that the law in British Columbia is that you can't canoe while intoxicated. It is true that that is the law in British Columbia because that's the law everywhere in Canada. Yes, it's the law in Yukon, Alberta, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Ontario, New Brunswick, Quebec, (laughs) PEI, Nova Scotia. The people people don't understand the separation New of powers. New Labrador, and, none of it. Yeah. Northwest Territories. I Thank think you. I covered them all. No, you forgot Prince Edward Island. Did, did I said PEI. Oh, you did. Okay. Manitoba. I said Manitoba. Absolutely. I said Manitoba before Saskatchewan. So it is federal law, right? It's uh, it's yeah. the criminal code. Um, we have our own uh, funky. Um, impaired driving provisions, the immediate roadside prohibition scheme in BC, but that does not apply to a canoe. It doesn't apply to a canoe, so your canoe is not going to be impounded for 30 days. You're not going to lose your driver's license. In fact, you can't get any of BC's 90-day prohibitions if you're caught in a canoe. So you can still drive. And interestingly, under the criminal code, and I don't think that this used to be the way, but now, if you're found guilty of impaired operation of a canoe under the criminal code, the prohibition order, the mandatory order of prohibition is just in respect of the type of conveyance that was involved in the commission of the offense. So you would get a one-year prohibition from operating a vessel. Now, does it matter? No, because you would still end up with your Section 99 one-year prohibition for the impaired offense. Section 99 of the BC Motor Vehicle Act. Yes. So it still affects your driving. Although there's a question as to whether or not that could be imposed now, bearing in mind the recent Supreme Court of Canada decision. As we talked about last week. But Paul, I wanted to talk a little bit of the details about this canoe case, because I don't know if you read the gory details. I don't know any of the details. Oh, you're going to love this. In fact, this person was a contender for the ridiculous driver of the week, except that they were in a canoe. So because canoeing and by himself on Christina Lake. You would think that you could be drunk canoeing by yourself on Christina Lake and get away with it, but apparently the manner in which he was operating the canoe was so bad. Swerving. So bad that it attracted the attention of people on the shore who phoned the police. So the police show up and they're like, dude, get out of your canoe. He's like, no. And he refuses to get out of the canoe. Eventually, the canoe, they get him to come to shore in the canoe. And he dishes the canoe and hides under the dock. Good for him. He's like hiding. He's like, you can't get me. I'm in the water. I'm immune. So a police officer actually had to take his firearm off 
Go into the water. And go into the water and arrest him in the water. Oh, uh, poor RCMP officer. Mind you, I mean, Christina Lake is lovely. It's one of the most beautiful places that you're in get, Canada. You're get and wet. if you're an RCFP officer who has to go to the water in Christina Lake, it's, you know, beautiful, clear, crystal clear mountain lake that's actually apparently the water's not even so cold. And I'm told. Sounds great. So uh, you would think he would have been smart enough to like canoe to where the bushes are so thick and walk. Right? Like the... canoe to the other side of the lake? And Probably the... too. That's too much work. Oh, yeah, he's drunk. drunk. Yeah, he says, stop making the good decisions. (laughs) The good flight from police decision. But think about that. Like, you can... There'll be lots of witnesses on Christina Lake. They'll they'll be able to prove canoe and control. You know, with the fact that there's no precedent in BC... She sat down in the driver's seat, the seat normally for the operation. The fact that there's normally no precedent in BC for impaired operation of a canoe, there's just in a case out of Ontario, the fact that... He is in a canoe by himself, so his public safety risk is extremely minimal. Like, the worst he could do is probably capsize and drown. Um, he might capsize another boat or hit a swimmer. The, those things could potentially have gotten him just arrested, put the drunk tank lid go in the morning. But not now. <laughs> you make a police officer crawl under the dock to get you. Um, you, um, are, you're, you're elevating it. Yeah. And you're going to, he's, he could potentially end up not just with a canoeing, uh, well impaired charge, but also flight from police and obstruction. Well, it'll be interesting to see whether or not it is prosecuted and, uh, and how they deal with it. There may be some defenses that would arise, uh, in these circumstances. Who knows? Well, I mean, I guess maybe can't just see what? really bad at canoeing. You can't see what, Kyla. You get files that the Crown have looked at, and the Crown thinks that they've got a 100% chance of successful prosecution. And you sit there and you pick it apart. And by the time you've finished reading it, you've persuaded yourself, and you're usually right, that there's like a 10% chance of successful prosecution. And then when the trial date comes, and there you are preparing for it, you always find even 100 more arguments. So... Does this person have a chance of success? I suppose they have to call Kyla Lee. Well, now that I've made fun of him on the podcast, I don't know that he'll want to. But it's okay. There's really no judgment here. I'm actually just amused. I like it. It is exciting to me. Well, I'm visualizing it the whole time. Yeah. And uh, I've been drinking in canoes many times. And uh, I don't assist in the operation of the vessel. I've been drinking in canoes while I was operating the canoes many times. Criminal. uh, doesn't mean I was impaired. That's true. Yeah. And open liquor in a canoe, I don't know about that one. There, There is a prohibition on having open liquor in a boat. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck with that one. Why? You just throw your can in the water. <laughs> yeah. They have no way of getting anything out of the water. Well, I mean, the can, by the time they get it out, it's, there's no beer left in it or what have you. We tested the can water. It was just lake water. Still a beer can. Yeah. It was lake water. Exactly. I was just lake water out of a beer can your honor <laughs> exactly yeah uh okay so you would think that he was our ridiculous driver of the week but because he was not a driver he cannot be the ridiculous driver of the week a surprising bestseller the pinpoint method of cross-examination is catching on Law firms and new litigators across Canada have caught on to cross-examination the pinpoint method, Kyla Lee's straightforward handbook that teaches you effective cross-examination skills. 
No, but we do have a good ridiculous driver of the week who was not a driver at the point when it became um, apparent that they were the ridiculous driver of the week. So this is a good one. Please lay it out for us. So this is in Indiana. Uh, a woman uh, was going to the Marshall County Sheriff's Department because she had a job interview. They were looking to hire her. They read her resume and concluded that she should come in for an interview. You know what's really funny, actually, is is my somebody I know, I won't say who, um, because I don't want to out them after they confess this to me, um, recently had a job interview and uh, they were a little bit anxious about it. And they told me that they uh, did did a, a couple shots of vodka before going in for the interview just to take the and take the anxiety off. I was like, I can't believe you did that. Um, but if you knew what type of job they were interviewing for, then it would make a little bit more sense. I, I want to know when you can tell me out. I will tell you after. I thought you were going to say they did a couple of lines of Coke. No, no, this person does not do Coke anymore. <laughs> now you know who it is. No, I still don't know. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, the, um, so the woman shows up for the job interview. The yep. interviewer is like, hmm, you kind of smell like you've been drinking. Uh, 8.45, 8.45 in the morning. She's got slurred speech. She smells like alcohol. And so they ask her, how'd you get here? And she says, well, I drove. She probably said, well, I drove, <laughs> but... They ask her. They ask her to do a breath test. She was at 158 milligrams of alcohol and 100 milliliters of blood, almost twice the legal limit. Wow! At uh, early in the morning, and yep. probably from alcohol consumed the night before. Probably, yeah. Well, that's interesting. So they charged her in the end. Charged her with DUI. Yeah. But did she get the job? Uh, yeah. Um, let's see. Indiana wants her, but no, Lord, she can't go no, work no, there. I knew you were going to do that. You couldn't resist. Her photograph is here, her mugshot. Her mugshot. She she looks sober in her mugshot, minus the red bloodshot eyes. Well, she doesn't look like somebody you'd hire. No. So uh, I was on the TikTok the other day, and they were showing an old video. Yeah, showing an old video from where the police in some jurisdiction contacted people to tell them that they could get concert tickets or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. They've done this before. You can get a boat. And I realized when I was watching it, you know, we all get entertainment value out of it. But I realized when I was watching it, I started looking at the people who were being arrested. And it was overwhelmingly black people. Mm-hmm. And uh, warrants in the U.S. can be for ridiculous reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I can tell you, I had a very different view of it now, uh, knowing what I know, having worked in the justice system, than when I saw this 25 years ago. Um, thinking that that was, uh, slightly entertaining back then. And now you realize some of these people probably have warrants for their arrest for unpaid parking tickets and things like that. Yep. Um, you, the, uh, the justice system can be a horrible, uh, hell of a thing. And, um, the, uh, it does concern me when I see this. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, don't know what got me off on that, but it was something yeah, it- don't know why you went on that very dark. I think it was the uh, warrants and Indiana wants me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking about warrants. Maybe the guy in Indiana wants me only had a couple parking tickets. You know, I had a warrant for my arrest in Alberta and I turned myself in and uh, it was for um, unpaid speeding ticket that I disputed and I didn't go to court. 
And I remember early in my career, I, I defended one matter. I defended quite a few matters in Alberta, but I defended one in, uh, in Jasper. And when people didn't show up, the judge was, seemed quite delighted to go, warrant, warrant, warrant. And I thought, how many people are going to get arrested? What are the resources for this to put people in jail on a bloody traffic ticket? Never. Not anyway, me. So uh, I don't think Indiana should necessarily want you is what I'm saying. Okay. Well, that's our podcast. If you have a driving law related issue, you can find us online at VancouverCriminalLaw.com or give us a call at 604-685-8889. And tune in next week for another exciting episode of Driving Law. <laughs> <laughs>